This morning, we're in the middle of our series on Simple Christmas, uh, in the middle of the busyness of the Christmas season. Anyone busy? Anyone been driving around at night recently and running into some traffic? Okay, it always takes you like 10 minutes longer to get where you're going this time of year, it seems. But we're looking at uh, four characteristics describe kind of the purpose, the result of Christmas, of Jesus Christ being born to the world. Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Phil talked about simple hope that God can be trusted to make good on his promises. Last week he shared with us simple love, that God first loved us and sent his son into the world to die for us and bring forgiveness of our sins so we can have relationship with God this morning. And today we're going to look at God's simple joy. Now, um, as a preacher, i got to be, can I just take a minute and be honest with you? I know I don't have a ton of time, but I'm going to see what I can do here with what we got left here. Um, there are times in life where you sign up for something, and after you sign up for it, you go, what was I thinking? Okay, so I signed up for Simple Joy. Now, I got a, just a little note to the wise. Like, like there's one of those things they always told us when we, you know, I was younger. They'd say, make sure you never pray to ask God for patience. Because God knows how to give you patience or grow patience in you, I should say. Right? He, put, he allows you to go through stuff, right? And by going through it, you, is everyone with me on that? Okay, that makes sense. So like saying, oh, yeah, I'll preach on joy. That's an easy one, right? Sure, right? Like everything's good, all's good. It's all, everything's, everything's roses and woohoo. But roses have thorns. All right, anyone ever thought about that? Okay. So I wanted you to know that in the, in the last several weeks, God and I have been in a little wrestling match on this subject. Can I just be honest with you and transparent from up front? Preaching on joy means... You have to have some, right? It's got to be real. You can't just, I mean, I could read all the scriptures that we're going to read, and if you've already looked at your sermon notes, pull those out of your bulletin. There's a bunch of scriptures in there, right? And the Bible talks about it. But that's just something that you and I could talk about. And joy is a word that, that's really common in the Christmas season, isn't it? Right? Like you can drive by someone's, anyone like looking at Christmas lights? Right? And some people have got these awesome Christmas lights, and there's snowmen and Santa Claus and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes people, have, they'll have like a, a little bit of the, you know, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. But one I saw recently I just thought was really beautiful. It was a wooden cutout, and it said the word joy, and it was kind of in the shape of a stable. And I thought, wow, that's really beautiful. And, of course, I was going to preach on joy, so I thought I'd mention that. <laughs> but, you know, like joy is everywhere. Uh, I was thinking about, I really love Christmas music, right? How many of you love Christmas music? Yeah, okay, not everyone said yeah. I know that some of you, I'm not going to point any of you out right now, I'll talk to you, are not as big a fan of Christmas music as I am, okay? But in my house, most of us, most people in my house love Christmas music. Now, um, that, that said most. There's a little bit of dispute about, like, how early in the year can you start playing Christmas music, right? But, you know, when I'm alone in my car, July is good. I can start whenever. And uh, now, uh, now I use the, what is it called? The, the interweb? The interweb? That was good. I like that. I use the interweb, and I have this little app called Spotify, and I can find all these Christmas playlists. Anyone, anyone onto any of that kind of stuff? Interesting, right? I love Christmas music. I wanted to share some of my favorite Christmas carols with you real quick. Okay, right? I'm not going to sing, because that's not my gift. But joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Right, that's good, Right? Let every heart prepare him room. We just did that, didn't we? We took a moment to do that, and we're going to do that again at the end of our service. And heaven and nature sing. 
I love joy to the world. Okay, yeah, joy to the world. Okay. Another person will say, oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. Uh, it's the night of our dear Savior's birth. We're going to read about that in just a second. Uh, in a thrill of hope, it says later on, the world, weary world rejoices. Think about that word rejoice. Anyone ever heard that word rejoice before? When I was a kid, I heard that word. I sang that word. We talked about that word. But I don't know if I really understood what rejoicing really meant. Because I was a kid. And things were pretty good most of the time. So we'll talk a little bit about rejoicing. Last week we sang a great version, God rest ye merry gentlemen. Which I think needs to be updated. God rest ye merry gentlemen and gentlewomen. Uh, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day. And why was he born? It, it says it right in the Christmas carol. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. I mean, we could have sang Christmas carols the whole time long. And you would, that would have been better than your sermon, Pastor Stewart, but that's okay. Okay, so there's some connection between joy and Christmas. Can we just establish that? All right, there's supposed to be. So if we're going to celebrate Christmas, there's supposed to be some joy in it. Okay, but as we might understand, that's not always so easy to see, isn't it? To get ourselves centered on this, let's, uh, you can move in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen. Uh, or yeah, perhaps in your sermon notes, Luke chapter 2, let's start reading the Christmas story, okay? Maybe some of you are going to read this uh, as part of uh, personal or family devotions uh, in the weeks to come, maybe Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. Folks, we have an encounter with God. It's not just humdrum, normal stuff. Okay? But the angel reassured them. He said, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Can we just take a moment and pray about this? God, we just ask that you'd open our hearts and our ears to hear what you're trying to say to us about who you are, what you've done, and what you desire to do in our lives today. We give this time to you in your name. Amen. We pray. We say that. So be it, Lord. Okay. Think about it. What an awesome moment that must have been for the shepherds. There they are. They're out there. They're not on their uh, iPhone, you know, streaming video from YouTube. They're out there in the fields watching their flocks by night. Sounds really kind of, you know, woo, wow. That's boring. Right? Let's face it, they're kind of out there doing their thing. You know, being a shepherd wasn't the highest occupation there was. Uh, they weren't the most successful people in everyone's eyes. But they're doing their job. They're guarding the flocks by night. And suddenly, God decides to invade their night. God didn't go to a palace. God didn't go to the religious leaders. God went to the shepherds and told them, I've got good news for you. Today, a Savior was born. And this word here, good news, is the same word we use sometimes in church. We use the word gospel. So the gospel is what? It's good news, right? And this is the same word, 
This would have been a, when people were reading this in the first century, they would recognize this word gospel or good news is an important word. This is the word that was used when the Emperor Augustus was born. The public, the PR piece that went out, the press release, said, Good news, gospel, a savior has been born. The emperor, it'll be the emperor to be Augustus. Okay? So, so the same word is used when Jesus is born. This word's packed with all kinds of meaning. Now you might say today, hey, I believe that the coming of Jesus was that important, to use that kind of a word. Uh, the coming of Jesus changed everything, didn't it? Before Jesus came, it was not always, it was difficult to know sometimes exactly where you stood with God. There was this whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament that we can read about. But with the coming of Jesus, everything changes, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But if you think about the coming of Jesus and, and the, the angels come and they say, rejoice, rejoice, and they give glory to God. And, and we're, ta- we're talking today about bringing God's simple joy into our Christmas this year. I don't know about you, but as I mentioned earlier, this idea of having joy, it sometimes can be a little bit difficult one. Sometimes joy seems a little elusive where I'm focused more, on about you, but I'm focused more on the circumstances that are around me or the way I'm feeling in my emotions or in my body, in my, how my relationships are, that I am focused on joy. And so we think about this. What is joy and what is joy not? Let's think about this big idea today. It's here in your notes. The big idea is that God's simple joy is not a fleeting emotion. How many of you know that our emotions can just mislead us at times? And wisdom comes when we recognize that and sometimes wait for the emotions to pass and remember what the truth really is. God's simple joy is not just a fleeting emotion that can be based on an isolated circumstance. That's the word there. It's not a circumstance. Nor is God's simple joy an exchange. Pastor Phil talked about this last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you, get the podcast and listen to that. It's God's joy is not an exchange that we can earn by our own good deeds. This isn't something that's out there that God says, hey, if you, if you jump high enough, I'll give it to you. God's joy is not an emotion. It's not a circumstance. It's not an exchange. The joy that God brings into our lives through his son is soul fulfillment. Today, God says, I have something for you. I want to fill every nook and cranny of your soul, of your heart, with his joy. Soul fulfillment in who he is and in your growing relationship with him. Now, that's a pretty long sentence, and it's filled with a lot of stuff. But I would, I would ask you, tonight, later on today, uh, maybe when all the football games are over, <laughs> could you take a moment and just kind of go back to that thought? What is God's joy, and what does he want to do in my life this Christmas? Well, as we look at this, to understand God, how to experience God's simple joy, let's begin by looking at the Psalms, the poetry, the worship songs of uh, God's people in the Old Testament. Psalm 1611 It's here in your notes. The psalmist David says to the Lord, you will show me the way of life. How many of us today would like to, what's the way to go, God? What should I do? We always ask God these kind of questions. The Bible tells us he will show us the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. Today, if you and I are going to have and experience God's joy, we've got to understand that his joy is not just an add-on to what we already have in our Christian life. It's not just joy isn't some kind of optional sprinkles that you can put on top of your ice cream cone or not. Joy is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian. Now, how can I say that? Well, a lot of times we, we like this uh, 
uh, this kind of saying. We'll say, uh, if I were to use a four-letter word, a really good one from the Bible, and I were to say, God is, a lot of times we might say it's in the Bible, right? God is love, right? Okay. But the Bible also tells us that God is, three-letter word, God is joy. We don't say that one as much, do we? But think about it. Is God love? All right, does that mean that God has lots of love? Yeah, sure, but it means more than that. Love is an actual part of the character and the nature of God. It's one of his attributes, okay? But so is joy. And, and in theology, all right, we call these communicable attributes of God. Isn't that good? Didn't know you were going to get a theology lesson today, did you? Are you surviving? Okay, all right. So what does it mean to communicable, all right? It means they can be communicated, right? So God has some other attributes, like he's infinite, you and I will never be infinite, okay? Just, sorry. And, and he's all-knowing. And, and as my wife reminds me once in a while, I am not all-knowing. No, nor will I ever be. <laughs> okay? Uh, I wish I was, but I'm not. But there are some attributes of God that you and I can have, that he has, and he wants to give to us. Uh, let's think about this. They're in the Bible. There's a whole list of them. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his meekness, his self-control. All of these things that are things that are attributes of who God is. It's not something he just possesses. It's that who he is in his essential nature and character. And he wants you and I to have all of them. So how good is this Christian life? Does God have anything for you? He has who he is. And he wants to share that with us. And our first point here today, how are we going to get God's joy? How are we going to understand what God's joy is? God's joy, God's simple joy, is a gift from God to everyone. You know, Christmas, we love to receive gifts. We love to give gifts. But God has a gift for you today that is unbelievable. It's amazing. It's a gift of who he is. And part of that gift is his joy. Zephaniah 3.17 in the Old Testament says this, for the Lord your God is living among you. Isn't that encouraging? He is a mighty Savior. Anyone ever feel a need of saving? God, come help. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Think about this. The Lord takes delight in you. This word here, to take delight, is the word I mean, really, the best translation I can give you is the Lord frolics and rejoices over you. Now, I don't know about you. That's not a word we usually use with God. We think about Jesus just so filled with this joy that he just dances around, and he's filled with delight, and he frolics over you and over me. That's not sometimes in line with our picture of who God is or who Jesus is. But the Bible tells us the Lord takes delight over us. Think about uh, if you've ever, anyone ever been in love? Okay, I, I have. My wife's in, Heather is in the, helping out in the, in the, in the kids' area the, today. But if she were here, I'd be looking at her right now, and I'd be like, oh. Because I'll tell you what, no matter what's going on in my life, you ever, you ever had these kind of times? You just see the one you delight in, and your heart just rises up inside of you, and you think about them, I mean, I was on a, all last week I was at a conference in D.C., and I was missing my honey. And I was sitting in this conference, and this speaker was going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And I was like, oh, my aching head. And you know what? I just thought of Heather. 
And I was like, oh. And, and my colleague who was with me is like, what are you thinking about, Stuart? Because you're smiling. You can't be thinking about what he's thinking about. We're whispering this back and forth while this guy's going on, 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 right? I said, oh, I was thinking about Heather. He's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right? Because when, your heart, when you're in love with someone, right, your heart takes delight in them. You just, just to think about them. I mean, and then to be with them and to see them. I mean, just think and do stuff together, right? Isn't that amazing? That's how the Lord feels about you and me. People can say whatever they want about you. But the truth is that Almighty God delights in you. We spend so much energy and effort looking for other people's approval. We want other people to think that we're successful and that we're doing well and that we're good looking. But the Lord already delights in you, despite what anyone else thinks. Their opinion pales in comparison to what God thinks about you today. I don't know about you, but I found that very encouraging, if you can't tell. All right, so God is joy. He's got good news. That, you know, the old English way of translating good news is glad tidings. I don't know, when I, when I thought about that, glad, God has glad news for you, glad tidings. I don't know where your heart is today. I don't know where your emotions are today. I don't know where your circumstances are today. But the Lord knows. And he has glad tidings for you today. Remember what Zephaniah said. The Lord will take delight in you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You know, you ever, you ever turn on the radio and you hear, like, maybe it's a love song. You're like, oh, I wonder what inspired that person to, you know, who was the person that person was thinking about when they wrote that beautiful love song and, and my, one of the things that I do wish I could do, because I wish I could sing, and I know in heaven I will be able to, <clears throat> is I wish I could like just kind of like just hum a few bars or something to my wife. You know how beautiful you are. You know, right? I can't do that. I'm not really good at that. All right? That's just not who Stuart is. But think about this. The Lord sings over you. He sings a love song to you. He cares about you. The depth of his love motivated him from all of eternity to send his son on Christmas Day to take your place so he could have relationship with you forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever, whoever, anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting eternal life with God. God's love is a gift. The second thing we learn about God's joy is it is contentment in your relationship with him. God's simple joy is God's simple contentment. Now, the first point was more about God. God is a joy. He is his joy he wants to give to you. It's amazing. He delights in you. But the second point is a little bit more about you and I, right? It's about our attitude. It's about where we're at. I saw this uh, as I was preparing for this message. The poet Wallace Stevens once said, But in contentment I still feel the need of some imperishable bliss. Even in the midst of contentment, I'm really not content is what he's saying. And if we'll be honest, a lot of times that's where we are. Things are going, maybe going well and, and we look at it, but there always seems to be something more out there. If only I had a little bit more of this, then I'd be happy. Then I would be content. Just a little bit more. I, I mean, we, th- we say these kind of things to ourselves. 
I'd be happy and fulfilled if only, if only my spouse or, or my kids or my parents would do this or that. Or, or I'd, only be, I'd be happy or, or more content than I am if I had a better, high-paying job or if my boss uh, liked me more or if I was better looking or if people only recognized me for the genius that I truly am. I don't know what your version is, okay? I'll just share it a few of mine, okay? Right? But we all have these things that, that despite what we do have, and we recognize, one part of our brain we recognize, okay, we live in America. Uh, we're pretty blessed in many ways, right? Okay? But the other side of us is still not happy. Why? Because we live in America. And the whole point of the culture is, you need this. You need more. Do you know how many advertisements we see at Christmas time? Like, I want to watch a Christmas movie, right, or something like that? There's all these ads. Uh, and the Sunday paper comes. There's very little news in the paper, but there's a lot of ads. All right? And there's a lot of sales. And I need to go to that sale. Because if I go to that sale, there's money I'm going to save. I love to save money. Money saving money is good. And I'm going to buy things. I need those things. I need more of those things. I didn't know I needed that. But now that I know that it's on sale, I need it. I'm a typical American, right? So there's this thing out there. There's this, uh, this discontentment in our hearts. Despite what we have. Despite what we have in the Lord. There's always this sense of, we, I, I need just a little bit more. But that's just a symptom. That's not actually the, the deep-rooted problem. The problem is, whenever I feel that way, I've got to recognize a harsh truth. The harsh truth is, there's something in my life I want more than God. If I say I need to have success, or I need to have more things, or I need to have more money, or more recognition, or whatever the things are that we as Americans buy into, then I'm putting that thing as the as the the ultimate authority in my life because I'm not satisfied otherwise. I'm saying, oh, well, I know I have this in God, and I know he loves me, and I know God's been good to me, and I know I've got these things, and God's been with me in these situations and that situation, but I'm only going to be content if I have this other God, this idol, and then if I have that thing, more of that thing, then all of this will be okay. And when we say it that way, it's easy to recognize what's going on there, right? But in the moment, it's really hard to see that, isn't it? It's really hard to see who's grabbed our heart. Unfortunately, it's so easy in our culture to buy into a version of Christianity that tries to combine the good news of the gospel with this idea that if I'm a Christian, God's going to automatically bless me in very tangible, material ways. And that's not always the case, is it? The blessings of God sometimes are out of this world. And, and recognizing that is a real reality. It's a real challenge. And, and because I've had the opportunity to go around the world in different places and live overseas, I've, I've run into Christians who have almost nothing. I remember I went to a, a gypsy village made up of little cardboard and plywood shacks in Romania. And there was, a, there was an agency that was coming in and building new houses for these gypsies because theirs were shacks, so little, you know, like one room, little huts, and everyone lived inside of them. And I went into one of these new buildings, and the people who lived there were not Christians. And the oppression and the darkness that was there in that brand new house, it was tangible. You could sense it. And then next we went into one of these little cardboard shacks, right? And the people inside there, they were Christians, and the joy that they had blew me away. I thought, here I am, the rich American who just pulled up in my Toyota Land Cruiser to, to help visit and encourage these gypsy Christians. 
And this woman, through the interpreter, was encouraging me and how good Jesus was to her. And I thought, then joy can't be about what I have. It, there can't be a connection there. And I know we know that. I, I just, can I just give you a little Christmas reminder of that? We're looking for things in our own efforts. We want these things in our own way. We want to achieve. We want to get a little bit more. And it seems like those are good things. But if those good things get in the way between me and, and reveling in who God is and experiencing his joy, then they're not good things. They become idols. And we need to say, you know what? I'm going to focus on the Lord. Paul understood this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. He understood how to fight the more monster, and he wants to help the Philippians do the same. So this is what he shares with them. He says, not that I ever was in need. Now, this is a guy who's writing. He's been in prison, and he's in prison when he's writing this. And he says, not that I ever was in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul had a joy that yields a contentment. It's like, it's like the word buoyancy, right? Buoyancy means something that's not going to sink. As Christians, we might get wet by the circumstances and the challenges of our life. We might even get pushed down. But if something is truly buoyant, when you push it down, it comes back up. It doesn't sink. And Paul's saying, whether I've had been blessed with a lot or whether I have nothing, I have learned to be content. Which, by the way, folks, that's good news because that means we can learn it too. Paul isn't just born out of the womb. Oh, I'm just a content person. It's not just part of his personality. He learned how to be content. He tells us, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. And that situation, the secret to a simple joy, is being content with what you have and with who you are without being complacent and refusing to grow and get to know the Lord more. All right, well, time's flying away from me here, so let's just jump to the end. How do we get it? How do I experience God's joy and apply it? Number one, receive him. Paul says, I can do everything in his own strength. No, through Christ who gives me strength. Today, you and I have got to recognize if we've never accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's no way to have real lasting joy without knowing him. We've got to know Jesus Christ. If you're, one of the, if you're someone who says, well, I, I'm a Christian, I've accepted Christ in the past, why is my joy not there? Why is I not sensing it right now? Why is it come and go? I've got to remind you, it's because our focus of everything we're about, our thoughts, our minds, our desires, our wants, our hopes and our dreams has to be focused on who the Lord is. And as we grow in relationship with him, then, then as he comes in, because of who he is, that pushes out everything else. And the result is, we will have, First Peter says this, you love him though you've never seen him, though you do not see him, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And what is that joy? The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Peter's telling us the joy that God has for you and I today is a joy that comes from being with him, with God, with a joy of being in his presence, a joy that's so profound that there are not even words in language to express what it's like to be with the Lord. And if you and I, have, if you've ever experienced a moment in God's presence, can you think about that for a moment? 
Is there anything better than that? That's what I need to hunger and thirst for today. That's what we need. We need a desire for that, to be in his presence, to be with him. The second way we experience it then is we grow to know him and we follow his ways. We grow to know him, we follow his ways. Jesus tells us how to do this in John 15. He says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, he says, you remain in my love. And he says in verse 11, yes, you will be, your joy will overflow. The way to experience God's joy is to get to know him better tomorrow than you do today. To know him better by the end of this day than you did when you woke up this morning. So that his thoughts become our thoughts. So his words become our words. His loving actions become our loving actions. To align. Have you ever met someone who was just a great leader? Maybe it was a teacher or, or, or someone at, at, a, at a job you had. Or somehow there's some part of life we met someone who was an amazing leader. And when you met them, you thought, wow, they're amazing at this. I want to be, you know, that's something for me to emulate. That's something for me to think about, how that person is so this or that, depending on what they're really good at. The thing is, is if you and I, if we'll spend that time with the Lord, we'll become more and more like him. Remember, joy is part of his character. It's part of his nature. He wants to share it with us. We do that by getting to know him. And Jesus says, I desire that my joy will be in you. What kind of joy did Jesus have? The Bible tells us for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He took the penalty of our shame upon him because the joy that he knew would come with relationship with him. The third way to experience his joy is to delight in him and worship him. To delight in him and worship him. King David gives us the key to this, how to stay connected with Jesus in Psalm 37. He says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust Him, and He will help you. When you find delight in the Lord, He captures your heart, right? Remember we talked about if you've ever fallen in love, if you've ever desired, desired to be with someone like that, what happens? They capture your heart, your, your mind is filled with thoughts in them. Your heart is filled with emotions towards that person. As we do that with the Lord, as we grow to know Him, and our delight becomes in Him, our heart will get captured by Him. A lot of times people try to use this verse and they might think, well, you know, okay, if I just uh, take delight in the Lord, he'll give me the heart's desires. What do I desire in my heart? And they focus on that. No, the place to start is with the Lord. Desire him. Desire who he is. Desire his presence. Desire to be with him every second of every day. The Bible talks in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Sometimes we talk about prayer and we think about prayer as something we do occasionally. Oh, I need to remember to pray today. Now, we could, yes, we need times of prayer and intercession. But we need to spend the day with the Lord in worship. When I'm at work, when I'm driving, whatever I'm doing. Even when I'm in line at the mall. That's the place that I struggle with the most. Delight in the Lord and worship Him. So as our worship team comes, the Bible tells us so many things about how to have His enduring joy. It tells us the gift that God has for us. The Bible tells us that he wants us to, as we receive him, to grow and to know him and, and follow his ways. And that's all good stuff. Those are great principles. But when I think about people that I've ever met or people I've ever read about who truly had this joy, 
You know, a few years ago, I had the privilege to be in, in Philippi. You know, Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians there in Greece. And uh, there's the place where they have this own stone ruins, and they say this is the jail where Paul was in jail. And in Acts, it tells us that Paul and Silas were, were taken because they were preaching the gospel, and they were beaten with the wooden rods. And then all bruised and bleeding, they were thrown into prison, and they were put in the stocks. And what did they do there that night, as they're there through the night in stocks in a cold, dark Roman prison? They began to pray. They began to praise God. They began to delight in the Lord and who the Lord was. And the Bible tells us that everyone in the prison heard it. And then an earthquake came, and God delivered them. And folks, today, as we come to the end of this service, Maybe there's an issue that maybe you came when you came, maybe you came forward today, maybe, maybe you didn't in that time of worship. But you know that there's an issue. There's something in your life, in your heart. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a thing, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's job. It could be so many different things. But the Lord knows what that is. And today He says, I want to set you free from the tyranny of that thing. I want to set you free. I want to give you my glorious, inexpressible joy. Today he has him, he's giving of himself. He's not just giving you something he is laying around as a gift. God comes to you and I and he says, here I am. Come and take of me. If we, will, if we could stand this moment, our worship team is going to lead us. But before we do that, I want to I wanna pray a prayer. Can we pray? Lord, we come to you right now. We open up our hearts to you. You're a good God. You're a safe God. You're a God whose grace is more than enough for the situation I'm facing today. And Lord, as we, as we open our mouths to sing a song, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be filled with worship, with desire to delight in you and experience who you are and experience your presence. For in your presence, there is fullness of joy. If you have not never given your heart completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, now is the time. The opportunity was there earlier. Maybe, maybe you weren't sure what to do or what to say or or what you knew to do. But right now, the Lord says to you, come, come to me. If you're weary, you're heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you peace. I have joy and goodness and kindness and love to give you beyond what you can imagine. The Lord has come to forgive us of our sins and to give himself to us so that we can experience heaven here on earth a taste of what it will be to have eternal life with him forever. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to come into my heart and fill me with yourself. Lord, push out these other things, these other circumstances and concerns that have been dominating my thinking and dominating my life. I give my heart to you and I ask you to be the Lord of my life, not only to save me, but to direct me and to guide me, to give yourself to me, and I give myself to you. And we do this in the name of Jesus. 
And together we can say, Amen.